Section 194 of Chesterfield's Letters to His Son. Read for LibriVox.org into the public domain. Letter 243. London, April 27, 1759. My dear friend, I have received your two letters of the 10th and 13th by the last mail, and I will begin my answer to them by observing to you that a wise man, without being a Stoic, considers in all misfortunes that befall him their best as well as their worst side, and everything has a better and a worst side. I have strictly observed that rule for many years, and have found by experience that some comfort is to be extracted, under most moral ills, by considering them in every light, instead of dwelling, as people are too apt to do, upon the gloomy side of the object. Thank God the disappointment that you so pathetically groan under is not a calamity which admits of no consolation. Let us simplify it and see what it amounts to. You are pleased with the expectation of coming here next month, to see those who would have been pleased with seeing you. That, from very natural causes, cannot be, and you must pass this summer at Hamburg, and next winter at England, instead of passing this summer in England and next winter at Hamburg. Now, estimating things fairly, is not the change rather to your advantage? Is not the summer more eligible, both for health and pleasure, than the winter, in that northern frozen zone? And will not the winter in England supply you with more pleasures than the summer, in an empty capital, could have done? So far, then, it appears that you are rather a gainer by your misfortune. The tour, too, which you propose making to Lubeck, Altina, etc., will both amuse and inform you, for at your age one cannot see too many different places and people, since at the age you are now of I take it for granted that you will not see them superficially, as you did when you first went abroad. This whole matter, then, summed up, amounts to no more than this, that you will be here next winter, instead of this summer. Do not think that all I have said is the consolation only of an old philosophical fellow, almost insensible of pleasure or pain, offered to a young fellow who has quick sensations of both. No, it is the rational philosophy taught me by experience and knowledge of the world, and which I have practised above thirty years. I have always made the best of the best, and never made bad worse by fretting. This enabled me to go through the various scenes of life in which I have been an actor, with more pleasure and less pain than most people. You will say, perhaps, one cannot change one's nature, and that if a person is born of a very sensible, gloomy temper, and apt to see things in the worst light, they cannot help it, nor new make themselves. I will admit it to a certain degree, and but to a certain degree, for though we cannot totally change our nature, we may in a great measure correct it, by reflection and philosophy, and some philosophy is a very necessary companion in this world, where even to the most fortunate the chances are greatly against happiness. I am not old enough, nor tenacious enough, to pretend not to understand the main purport of your last letter, and to show you that I do, you may draw upon me for two hundred pounds, which I hope will more than clear you. Good night. Aquam memento rebus in arduus savere mentum. Be neither transported nor depressed by the accidents of life. Letter 244. Blackheath, May 16, 1759. My dear friend, Your secretary's last letter of the fourth, which I received yesterday, has quieted my fears a good deal, but has not entirely dissipated them. Your fever still continues, he says, though in a less degree. Is it a continued fever, or an intermitting one? 
If the former, no wonder that you are weak, and that your head aches. If the latter, why has not the bark, in substance and large doses, been administered? For if it had, it must have stopped by this time. Next post, I hope, will set me quite at ease. Surely you have not been so regular as you ought, either in your medicines or in your general regimen. Otherwise this fever would not have returned. For, the doctor calls it, your fever returned, as if you have an exclusive patent for it. You have now had illnesses enough to know the value of health, and to make you implicitly follow the prescriptions of your physicians in medicine, and the rules of your own common sense in diet, in which I can assure you from my own experience that quantity is often worse than quality, and I would rather eat half a pound of bacon at a meal than two pounds of any the most wholesome food. I have been settled here near a week, to my great satisfaction. C'est ma place, and I know it, which is not given to everybody. Cut off from social life by my deafness, as well as other physical ills, and being at best but the ghost of my former self, I walk here in silence and solitude as becomes a ghost, with only this difference, that I walk by day, whereas you know to be sure that other ghosts only appear by night. My health, however, is better than it was last year, thanks to my almost total milk diet. This enables me to vary my solitary amusements, and alternately to scribble as well as read, which I could not do last year. Thus I saunter away the remainder, be it more or less, of an agitated and active life, now reduced, and I am not sure that I am loser by the change, to so quiet and serene a one, that it may properly be called still life. The French whisper in confidence, in order that it may be the more known and the more credited, that they intend to invade us this year, in no less than three places, that is, England, Scotland, and Ireland. Some of our great men, like the devils, believe and tremble. Others, and one little one whom I know, laugh at it, and in general it seems to be but a poor, instead of a formidable scarecrow. While somebody was at the head of a moderate army, and wanted, I know why, to be at the head of a great one, Intended invasions were made an article of political faith, and the belief of them was required, as in the church the belief of some absurdities, and even impossibilities, is required upon pain of heresy, excommunication, and consequently damnation, if they tend to the power and interests of the heads of the church. But now that there is a general toleration, and that the best subjects, as well as the best Christians, may believe what their reasons find their consciences suggest, it is generally and rationally supposed the French will threaten and not strike, since we are so well prepared, both by armies and fleets, to receive and, I may add, to destroy them. Adieu. God bless you. End of section 194. Read by Professor Heather and By. For more free audio books or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org.